Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything. So yesterday I started working on a simpler painting technique for getting miniatures done faster because, you know, everybody has a lot of miniatures. I know. Yeah, I told you that I've been doing that for a little while. Uh -huh. How has how uh, it been going? Oh, it's been going pretty well. I guess you got a bunch of criticism on speeding your painting up. Cause... Yeah, from my sister who was mm -hmm. like, I, I, showed, I showed a whole bunch of people. I think I mentioned this before. I showed a whole bunch of people uh, at at uh, the store and they're like oh that's that's good that's that's great that's awesome and then uh i went and showed my sister who had seen my other stuff and uh -huh. she looked at it and she's like you've been slipping yeah basically <laughs> she's like uh you know this is not as good as your other stuff and i, was, yep. I immediately became sad and, and instead of uh accepting her criticism i just decided not to show her any of my stuff anymore yeah <laughs> that's not true <laughs> but that's how I felt like inside. So with my usual painting technique for like oh, painting. Oh wait. Yep. Before we continue, mm -hmm. what is the topic today? Oh, I guess it's simplifying your hobby. Yeah, great. So, so simplifying. How painting. are you simplifying your hobby in painting? Well, I'm trying to simplify, like, come up with a simpler painting technique because my mm -hmm. usual painting technique, like the good way of doing things, involves minimum of like seven different color mixes to paint any one individual color. Mm, so yeah. So it's not only the the good way but it's the long way yeah it's i think it's what most good painters do when you look at sort of mm -hmm. display type pieces and how is, they get fast is that they mm -hmm. just do those seven steps really fast yeah or they <laughs> yeah or they sit down or, and they really put in hours yeah mm -hmm. it's surprising when we went to one of those um miniature painting shows yep. uh and talking to the people how long they took on one piece and, and that like, they oh. only produce a couple pieces a year yeah I, yeah I, oh yeah but the, the each one they're, one, they're like mm -hmm. oh 20 30 100 like 20 is low yeah that's like that's one. almost like rust or something mm -hmm. like that and then like some of them took like a hundred for one miniature like well, granted they're always they're not like a 28 millimeter mm -hmm. but still one miniature for like a hundred hours and I'm like oh that's two weeks working on oh, it oh I can have I, was a hundred hours the, the high end though right I don't know about that but oh, if you only produce oh a few gosh. projects if you only produce three or four projects a year you can, I feel like you can, that's a lot of hours potentially but a hundred hours for like one mini mm -hmm. like the single figure well often it's more of a display to... piece with like base work and everything else like that in that hundred hours like I understand... you just gotta build it did, well, maybe they do include building. I was under the impression it was just the painting for like well, sometimes with some setup mm -hmm. for like a hundred hours for one like be it bust, which is I don't know six inches or something like that. Yep, no, I can see it because like with my painting, really, that's crazy amount of time. Oh, oh because well. that's why I'll never be that good. Well, when they're doing freehand all over the place, that's what it gets to. Because like I was realizing, I was taking about eight hours a figure for infinity, even though it was bulk painting, which we'll get back to. Eight. And a hundred is more than ten times more. Yes, but they've gone to an entire other level. <laughs> That's I'm true. Just it I'm looks a lot better, I'm too. painting for tabletop, just yeah. really nice tabletop. Uh -huh. So with the simplified painting technique, like the whole thing is you've, you've got to take steps out. Uh -huh. Like that's the only way. Yeah. If you're doing seven to 15 steps, like non-metallic metal would be mm -hmm. 15 steps to get a nice non-metallic yeah, metal. You, and you hear even like the, whatever, the, the top level painters, mm -hmm. they have a different way of painting when they're painting... Wait, like for commission for a tabletop, right? Because a lot of these people, you know, it's an easy to, easier to make money with just painting a giant army or something, and they yep. don't have to put in a hundred hours for one mini. No, and no yet when they paint it, their tabletop is crazy good still, right? It's oh, not yeah. like suddenly they, it has nice contrast. It's yeah. clean. It's yeah. Yeah, they it's spend good. the same amount of time for one mini as let's say fifty minis mm -hmm. 
or maybe even more, right? Because you've got 100 hours, two hours a mini. I guess with setup and like making it, but yeah, 50 minis. And yet the 50 mini, oh, sorry, the 50 minis still look better than any, like most people. Most of the people that show up your game store, yeah. yeah. And if they're doing that for themselves. And then you're like, how does that work? Mm-hmm. So coming up with like faster techniques, there's a lot of knowledge out there for how to do things. Do you feel like it's a lot different, or do you think it's the 80-20 rule? Oh, that getting the last 20% of quality takes you 80% of the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that that last 20, like the t- small per- part of the area where you're doing like freehand, where you're doing like really detailed face work, and you're doing the, the parts the that really draw your attention, like, the really clean uh, the, line work. Yeah, the clean line work and the clean highlights that, that are blended really smooth well. Highlights or, in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like... Smooth highlights are overrated, and I th- I feel like min- the miniature hobby is slowly falling behind that. Like that, it's not about butter smooth transitions. No, it's just one technique. Yeah, when you look at classical painting from like exactly from not everything is butter smooth. Mm-hmm. In fact, no, that often looks often not looks unrealistic. F- yeah, it looks things fake in when real life mm-hmm. are not butter smooth, and then even things that are like super beautiful are not butter smooth. Kind of reminds me of um, uh, the transition of online, not online, sorry, uh, computer assisted painting. When you see a lot of the initial uh, painters that only did it on the computer, the the technology was very simple, and so it was was also geared towards uh, touching up photos for magazines. Mm -hmm. So airbrushing basically was the main tool that everyone would use for painting, and everything looked like we're talking about super smooth and it was basically based on the technology technically right but everything was super smooth and more like clean and soft right yep. uh, and then once people realized that actually digital digital painting is like you can do everything that you can do not everything but you can do a significant portion of things you can create real paintings uh, on uh, the computer yep. with uh I wonder if it has some. Okay, I wasn't directly involved because that was a little bit before my time. But like, the addition of uh, applications that allowed you to use brushes that simulated uh, brushes of they have more of a random outcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. traditional brushes really kind of I think also hit with a whole bunch of artists who are basically traditionally trained and are like, you know what, digital painting is awesome because you get an undo button. Yes. And so you can make the brush stroke <clears throat> and go back. Exactly. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I messed up. Whereas in normal one, you kind of got to paint over it. Well, now you can do undo. That's amazing. So I feel like that, that, that comes, kind that of comes into two brush blending, but we can talk about. I think we've talked about that before. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. The two brush blending has a bit of an undo function to it. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm wondering if just I guess this is a little bit not exactly about simplifying your hobby, but just mm-hmm. for the painting thing. I wonder if that's people are moving away from. Just making sure that it, like, it's almost like they were just training to see how far you can push this blending and everything like yep. as a community. And now they're like, oh, well, now that you do that, I guess it's the kind of the Picasso kind of thinking of the art art world, right? Now that you, you understand know what you how can to. do, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. You know all your techniques. You, you can start breaking them, breaking those rules. Yeah, that's exactly what I've started trying to do with the simpler painting technique mm-hmm. that... You sort of have to look at like all the advanced techniques and then mm-hmm. just pick and choose out of them what one's going to sort of get you the best results and might get you faster results. So you have like a hundred techniques, uh-huh. but a couple and, and 
there's different techniques for different things, but a lot of them do roughly the same thing or cover, like we said, 80-20, kind of 80% of an effect you want. But if one effect is like one of those techniques only takes, I don't know, 10% of the time as mm-hmm. another, even if overall it doesn't get you to the 100%, it's fine because really what we're trying to do is get your minis off of your, like paint your minis so that you're not playing with gray <laughs> armies or something. Yeah, because they look way better that way. Or not even being able to get them on the table because, of course, everyone should be only playing it painted if possible. Yes. So I think the few techniques sort of that got brought back for really fast speed Mm -hmm. was, I guess, the new thing. Well, it's been around for a long time, but it's become much cheaper and more accessible is the airbrushing. Yeah. That I really don't like the look of the airbrushing being seen on the final model because as you Mm. said before it's just like the digital paintings it looks super fake when you see it Mm. like for futuristic stuff you can be like okay I can accept for things that are airbrushed in real life like cars and stuff like that where they have giant spray paints that's how they made them so yeah so it looks right when you airbrush them yeah and the cars have super smooth transitions but with like figures People aren't super smooth. Their clothing's not super smooth. The edge between them is not super, super yes, smooth. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, you're like, okay, I don't want this airbrush look showing up on the final result. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have been using like Zenith priming, I guess you'd call it, mm-hmm. to get sort of your initial shading work going. So explain Zenith highlighting for people who don't know what we're talking about. So you prime your miniature like normal with one color. Mm-hmm. But then, because you want your highlights to appear from above and the shadows to come from below, and you want as if it was highlighted by like the sun lights, itself, the sun or lamps or lights in a building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so have Which light. generally come from above. Yeah, like ne- doesn't necessarily have to come from above. I've done like on more competition pieces, like red light coming from one direction, using the airbrush to sort of lay out the colors. Blue light mm-hmm. coming from another direction, but for like your typical tabletop minis, the lights mm-hmm. coming from more or above. less above. Yeah. So basically after priming the thing gray, I washed the whole thing with black, just rather than having to go around and make sure you get the black lines so you, in every- you primed with gray. A lot of people say, mm-hmm. when they, they te- talk about the Zenith technique, yep. prime it with black first mm-hmm. so that you get those shadows. Why did you do gray instead of black? So I think I just wanted more of a neutral color all over so I wouldn't have to worry about getting the white everywhere. And when you build up to brighter colors, mm-hmm. if you're gonna paint a brightly colored army, which I was mm-hmm. going for more like purple and magenta, mm-hmm. that you don't want too dark of a primer, otherwise it's going to take you a long time to build up to that bright color. So, so in, the, in this particular it, case... So basically mm-hmm. the black, if you just prime with black, it's too black. Yes. And then You've got to it be... overshadows, or you won't have that like high uh, pigment, or what do we call it? High saturation of your colors yeah. because it'll be faded into the black. Or you'll have to put lots of layers on and the goal. And that speed. defeats mm-hmm. the entire purpose. That defeats yeah. the whole purpose, exactly. Mm-hmm. So to get those, like as you said, a lot of people prime with the black so you get the recesses to be really dark. Mm-hmm. But instead, just wash the mini with a like black ink that makes to get all sense. the recesses done. Because the goal is, if you like with a normal painting technique, you just go back, get those nice perfect lines mm-hmm. drawn in with your brush mm-hmm. for every single area. But... If you want to cut steps, you can actually sort of, if you wash the whole match or dark from the mm, get-go, you can sense. now cut almost all of that out. So you prime with a gray, mm-hmm. then you're washing with a black so that you get that dark shadow that people always want. That's why they're priming a black. Yeah, so you don't and necessarily then, have to use black. If you like, you knew you are going to have a lot of earth tones on the model, you could uh, use more of a brown. A dark, like a, mm-hmm. what did it say, Devlin mud or, or strong tone from uh, Army Painter. Yep. 
Okay. So I considered that, but just it seemed easier to just use black all over the place. That's fair. And then after that, do the zenith from above. So basically, you take the airbrush. You can actually do it with a rattle can. I've done terrain this way mm-hmm. with white, and then you spray from above. Mm-hmm. And then, like, often all your highlights won't be above. Like, you'll have a gradient going different directions. Like, if your cloak has a heightened area, mm-hmm. it may not be like, oh, the light would shine there. But just with how you paint to try and, like, build up interest areas, like, all the ridge areas on the model get hit with the white from the airbrush. Uh-huh. You could do it with a rattle can if you don't own an airbrush. It actually works uh-huh. moderately well as well. But then, like, you basically have now, once you start painting your mini, you have the highlights yeah. built in. You have the shadows built so in. So basically the white, mm-hmm. you basically spray the white where you would think the light is coming from. Yes. And the the, the where you paint, would paint particles basically mm-hmm. go down straight because it's an airbrush. At just like the light would, and it gets, those and it gets a nice smooth gradient without you having to put in the work of like cool. making transitions with a brush. Yeah. Then everything gets the base coat over it. But normally, when you base coat, you try and get good coverage with a bunch of layers. You, you, yeah, you want to make it. It's kind of weird. You want to totally, depending on the thing, you want to totally over overcome the base layer. But that seems like extra steps <laughs> we talked about why did mm-hmm. you prime it like that that color if you have to o- o- like overcome those those steps seems seems to defeat oh you got to prime the man uh, i don't know so. just i guess because technically it's fine but it's just like so much effort just to make sure uh, i don't know like the, the paint doesn't scratch or something like that oh to get good coverage with the base coat yeah that's why i hate painting i always talked about this before i think if you want to save time don't prime with black Black is like the worst thing to prime with if you're trying yeah. to save time. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I... I think I used up the rest of my black primer on terrain. It's gone mm. now. Yeah. I'm not buying it. anymore. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but then after that, so after getting... Now that you've got sort of the zenith from above, so you've got white coming from above, you've got mm-hmm. the shadows all in black, you then put the base coat on as usual, but then go thinner so that the... Mm. So, so the highlighting from below from your airbrushing... It's so all the coming through. Of the white on top to the gray to the shadows the of the black yep. kind of shows through. Exactly. But in this case, you try and use probably a more saturated version of the color you would otherwise... If you're going to do a whole bunch of layers, you would just use the exact color you want to use. Mm-hmm. But then in this case, you tend to go a bit more of a saturated version mm-hmm. just because now that gray, the black, and the white are going to be showing through. So you've just got to use a bit more saturation in, that, in the primer or in oh, the base yeah. coat. A bit more saturation. Like the color's got to be a bit more saturated because so the you're... color choice now you're talking about. Yeah, it actually so, affect, the color of choice is actually affected for so you. So you want to choose a coat. paint actually. You can't just choose any random paint because there's a, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of paints that are not set won't be saturated enough, right? That's why you need like a lot of layers. Like if you use, it's just like how you have the whatever cheap craft paints. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so low pigment that that's bad. Well, uh, I think it's more actually that you want to go like the color you're aiming for that you want to have show up as the base layer, you need to go more saturated than that because you're mm-hmm. actually going to let the gray show through. Yeah. So what you're letting show through underneath is going to desaturate it. Yeah, I think so. that this is something that we talked about previously when we've talked about painting, is mm-hmm. that you need to... Just choosing the paint color that looks good in the can, if you're trying to save time, that actually doesn't work because that's exactly why you need to layer it five times to make it look the way you want. Yeah. Actually, you want it... If you want to save time, you want it so that the base layer, right, the the priming that you have, mm-hmm. plus the color that you put on becomes the right color for you. Yes. Right? 
So you have to keep that in mind. And this is literally just a time saving technique, right? There's nothing wrong with choosing the color, Choose the color, you, color want, you want and just and painting a bunch of layers of it. it to make but it you've got to thin it so it doesn't turn chunky and all the other stuff like that. Yeah. But just it is it is the more direct route. Like if you want yeah. to know the outcome you're going to get, yeah. use like use the color you want to appear. Like this and technique. Layer by taking, it on until it looks like that color. Yeah. But using this technique, you have to rely on getting it right in one shot because there isn't really going mm. back. You're like, oh, here's the color. I'll just go back. I'll just apply mm. it. There is no going back. But that's, so, so it almost mm-hmm. uh, one of the things. If you want to use this technique, you basically need to uh, you practice, to, basically. And you, you should probably or experiment have, a yeah, little experiment, bit too. Experiment, and mm-hmm. then you have you need to to test it so that you have the right colors that you want to, to blend to work, and then you have then you apply that to the rest of the the models that would be a lot faster right because yep. you might it might not be exactly this the, the right color you don't know no you're not painting directly the, to that root yeah you don't mm-hmm. know what the zenithal plus the paint will look like until it's actually happened exactly so this kind of technique actually um it doesn't quite work on a one-off model well it'll work but you won't know what you, your the result is or unless you really understand the color you, theory and everything yeah if you're really if you're a really advanced painter you might get it right right away but yeah. neither of us are there so yeah. i've just been doing experimentation so i and, guess this type of way mm-hmm. might be really good but yeah you need to write it down experiment and this is great for like an army yes right? so let's say you want a cohesive uh you know like for us a skirmish force mm-hmm. right generally but if it's this this technique is probably even better if you need to paint a hundred models because you do it once or maybe even if your first squad is kind of like a little bit off because you experiment with 10 different models yep. once you've got that formula down and you've written it down right you, you always talk about the importance of writing down your techniques so you don't forget oh which, yeah unlike me which is like ah I'll remember and then six months pass and I'm like like, wait, I don't wait. even remember if I have that paint anymore, if I've used it up or something. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if you have the same problem having like, oh, I have eight shades of green. I'm never, never going to find it again. Oh, I I tr- actually am trying to live in the number of, of colors I have. So, so that, that is that is one way of simplifying though. Yeah, If you want to simplify your hobby, yeah. don't own like four different lines of paint with the yeah. same color in it. Just pick a, pick a good line of paint. Mm-hmm. It's just Vallejo model color. But honestly, for this, I've been using airbrush colors, which we'll get to later too, because mm. they have different they have different, different properties. Exactly, yeah. they have different properties Made and consistency. For like going through an airbrush, basically. Yeah. So yeah, that's like writing your formulas down for what you've been painting is definitely one way of simplifying the hobby, because now you're not search, you're not mm. trying to rack your brain for oh what uh-huh. I do before, and it means like you can just paint by numbers almost, so you don't have to and worry about what you're doing. And don't knock the. Um, enjoyment of painting by numbers there's something like there's a whole new movement of paint by number coloring books right? like adult coloring books like, are a exactly. thing now yeah because it's so like i think we've talked about this before where painting miniatures is really good at de-stressing depending on on who you are right mm-hmm. and how actually good you are with techniques it can be a very good way to relax right you just take some time you just take your paints out and you kind of just layer them on right Mm -hmm. but it does take a certain type of way of thinking about painting the miniatures like we know you know we have we have a a friend who's uh an artist by trade and 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 as a way to relax he actually paints miniatures because it's different enough and he literally just follows the the paint schemes of like the studio uh, of the studio because he's just doing it as a way to chill out and relax and of course he loves miniatures and and that kind of thing right yeah it's just the act of painting he finds yeah the act of painting because it's different enough it's not 
necessarily uh, fully a way to, because he's, I guess, an artist, I, we should we should ask him to make sure that I'm not just spouting bullshit or just uh-huh. putting words into his mouth. But I feel like he doesn't necessarily need it to be a creative outlet like the people, like like a full creative outlet, like some of us who are in very technical or very office-like jobs where you're like just filling out forms and stuff like that. You're doing like lots that. of paperwork and calculations. <laughs> exactly. uh-huh. If you're doing that on on, on your, your day job, you, you will probably need your hobby to be more artistic. But because his thing is slightly artistic, obviously mm-hmm. he has direction because he got to get paid, right? But because it's slightly more artistic, I feel like it's, I would guess that that type of thing, like scratching that itch, is not as big of a deal as just, you know, doing something that is relaxing and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think paint by numbers, or even coloring, is actually really fun. I'm surprised. I was actually, I, I have been surprised at how fun it is. Yeah, I thought it takes a lot of concentration to come up with the color schemes. Mm-hmm. But once you've got the color scheme, it like simplifies things big yeah. time. But you have a whole armory to paint. You're like, all right, I've established the steps. Now just yeah, sit back and do it. And I guess for me, I think I mentioned this before, how I've been trying to simplify my painting and just get it done faster and not worry about making it look super good unless I need to show it to my sister, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, just look at, make it look, you know, tabletop, right? Uh, and, and what I do is, I, I don't write down the numbers, but for me to help simplify it is like, I just take a bunch of models and I paint them until with with the colors that I have until I'm tired of them, and I'm okay with taking that chunk, putting it back in a box. Like if I'm bored of painting that way, I, mm-hmm. I put them back in a box and I I just shelve them for a while, right? So I, I try to keep my the number of things or the number of models that I'm doing as a small amount on my t- my table. So I you found don't like you don't put everything under that's in progress out at any given time. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that is like. A surefire way to, to totally stress you out because then it starts feeling yeah. like you are you have a goal like having goals is great but when mm-hmm. your goal looks insurmountable because you have a hundred minis laid out it's crazy like it, it just is too much so I just put down what I'm working on right now and mm-hmm. I'll just put the paint on it on it right just almost as like a de-stressing and not worrying as much about making it look perfect yeah. right and just lay those colors on and then. I don't know. It, to me, it feels like who's like Bob Ross. Okay. I t- kind of take a Bob Ross esque view of painting, where it's just like I'm just gonna take this and I'm just gonna do this here, There's and I don't worry as much about exactly what the it, end goal is. Yeah, making it look mm-hmm. super good as a whole thing, because I feel like yeah, I want it to look good altogether, but that's not my primary thing. Actually, considering you know, painting is such a huge portion of the hobby. I want the act of painting like to be in and of itself fun. Mm-hmm. It's not about the end result. It's about the journey, right? Okay. About doing that, you know, putting that little green bush there. You can imagine what I mean by that, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, putting a little bit of yellow. and Oh, you know what? I haven't used red in a while. I'm just going to put some red here. And because the act of painting is so fun, I don't, I just try not to de-stress, try not to stress about making it look super good in the end. And if I feel like, you know what, I'm bored of this model, I literally just throw it into a box and (laughs) don't worry about it for a while. Yeah, no, I usually keep concurrent painting projects Mm -hmm. going as well, just so you don't, the current project doesn't become 
overwhelming. Like I'm painting yeah. Infinity to try and paint them like to as well as I can. But I'm like, okay, yeah. I need a break from this. I'll go build a table of terrain. Yeah, totally. That's the other thing. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, especially, I feel like this is really painful if you only play one game. Yeah. Let's say, especially if it's a, a, a huge army game like Warhammer 40,000 or Age of Sigmar. Because people feel like they're always they, they need to paint a squad so they can put it on the table, or they're working towards then, getting the whole army painted. Which the and yeah, and mm-hmm. buying a new army is crazy. That's a huge commitment. That's like a hundred models plus. A lot of yeah. them being like six inch models, right? So I feel like what's better is if you break them up into small chunks. And to do that, though, you need to have in my opinion, multiple different uh, miniatures or, or, or games. or like It doesn't even have to be games. Just multiple different miniatures where or you're like, just, I'm bored mm-hmm. of painting just blue space marines. Yes. I'm going to change over and I'm going to paint this one thing. Or for, it's for nothing. It's literally just to like cleanse my palette. Mm-hmm. I want to have this different thing. It's like, it's like the sorbet when you're having a, a fancy meal, right? It just cleanses your palate. It helps you relax and really enjoy going back to paint your... 151st Space Marine. I don't know why you're enjoying that, but whatever. That's not, no, not everyone <laughs> has know. that psychology yeah, to exactly. enjoy. Not yeah. everyone, just like food, not everyone knows how to truly enjoy their hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Throwing shade. Yeah. So if you're trying to like simplify it, would you just like <clears throat> saying about possibly writing down formulas? Would you uh-huh. write down like the projects you have going just so you don't feel like it's overwhelming? Oh no, hell no. That no, makes it that more would... overwhelming. Do you know how uh-huh. like I, I'm saying doing small batches, yeah. right? And one of my things that I wanted to, to hit on is like reducing the amount of minis you have so that you don't feel have this overwhelming mm-hmm. feeling of uh, burden of things that you need to do yep but look at this wall all of those are like all undone those, minis all those boxes, those boxes are, are boxes upon boxes of things they're all no, if I listed all mm-hmm. of those I would go crazy or at least if I thought about it all well, the no, time. but your like your projects that you're actually in the middle of those aren't no. projects you're in the middle of nope. no I try to live yeah. for the moment man all right I literally like if if the things so so the way I paint is just mm-hmm. you know small things right but if it feels like there's too many things on the table I literally take those things and I like some of them that I'm like I'm never gonna get to this take those and throw them in a box so yep. I literally only have a small portion that feels enjoyable to paint at that time yeah and then Actually, we, we talked about a little bit. We hinted on it. Uh, I have been trying to simplify my painting box. And so I I've, I have been buying a lot of paints, but I'm trying to reduce it to just a box. So like paints from different lines <coughs> or paints like seven colors of green, like I said, I have yeah, exactly. more than that. But. I, like mm-hmm. there's the argument that people have like, oh, you know, you have seven different greens saves time because if you want a specific shade of green, you don't you just, have to mix it. Yeah, you, you don't have to mix go. it. You just choose that. Mm-hmm. But just the analysis paralysis of having seven greens is terrible. I'd rather just like fucking mix it with the other three paints that I like yep. into a palette and, and just work with that. I find that is a lot easier. Plus you need less room when you're storing all of your paints. So I'm trying to keep it to like a 12 inch by eight inch box. Yeah. And those, those I want those to be all my paints. Yeah, so I have an entire tote of paints. It's yeah. not like a box, a tote. You've seen it. I said I tried to. <laughs> I literally have another box of paints that I'm like, either it's extra paints mm-hmm. of the things that I already have or like paints that I just generally don't use. So oh, literally yeah. I feel like I can simplify them. Yeah, no, I, I had the entire Vallejo game color line at one point, but then I realized it just wasn't 
it wasn't quite the quality of paint I wanted to use. So I got rid of the entire thing. The whole the whole rack. I had the whole rack of paint. There's some definitely some game colors that I really love. I kept the black just because charcoal gray, which is technically a Vallejo foundation or whatever heavy heavy whatever. Yeah, some of those two. That's I got rid awesome. of those two. Got rid of them all. Ochre. Ochre? Just to simplify. Just. Charred brown. Mm-hmm. You got rid of charred brown. That's such a good that was, color. Oh, I have not replaced that yet. I don't know how to. Oh, so you still have charred brown. No, I didn't. I just haven't done a replacement. Have <laughs> That's I, funny. There, there's ways of sort of replacing it using whole red and charred earth or something like you that. You have to mix two colors to get the same color. Charred think, brown is so good. I know. It's, it's my favorite those, brown. Yes. I know. It's, it's like a very reddish, dark brown. It's perfect. That's not very reddish. Not, to me, it's like yeah. the right. It's, it's the right it's amount, the of, red right and amount dark of red. Brown. Yeah. I know, I know. There are certain great yeah, colors. It's crazy! Right there. I can't believe you're like, oh, just to cut down, cut the line. Yeah, just entirely. to simplify. Just I feel like this, you only cut it just so that when someone asks you, you can say, no, I would never use that line. You should use this other lines. Oh no, I kept the black from it, but okay. I don't use it as paint. I use it as touch-up primer because it's because it, it's very thick. It's really thick and durable, so uh-huh. it's just for repairing chips. <laughs> That's crazy. All right. Well, to each their own. And sometimes when you like do the eyes inside miniatures, uh-huh. like having the iris or whatever, as yeah. shiny actually makes it look more realistic. So I considered it for that. I actually use the model black, uh, the model Vallejo model black, and I mm-hmm. feel like that one oh, actually isn't it more likely to be shiny. No, it's not. Oh, it's, okay. it's not one of the sh- ones that turns shiny. Some of the blues and reds will turn shiny mm. from Vallejo model color. Leo model colors the, is currently my favorite, especially the, their transparents. I love those. Yeah, I probably would have bought the scale seventy five line, mm-hmm. but then when I realized it contains things that you shouldn't be licking, I'm like, oh, all right, stop eating not... your paints. Oh, here's yum, a yum. way to yum, simplify yum. your hobby, hobby <laughs> life: don't lick your paints because that's gross as fuck. It is one less step if you don't lick your brush. It's like yes, <laughs> oh, but and... then you have to get the water off somehow. Anyway, what what do you think about? Uh, how do you simplify your palette? Your palette. So the palette can mean lots of things, like what the you... paint that actually goes on the palette. Ooh. Yeah. Or like the color choices you're using on the model. I'm okay. Well, let's go through the thing that you put your paints onto. To. Oh, that. Yeah. That's just like a tray that has parchment paper and then paper towel underneath that gets wet just to keep the paint going longer I feel like before I was trying to preserve my parchment paper just it's just a thing I guess uh, where Mm -hmm. I was trying to not use to use as little parchment paper as possible yeah and then I changed it to basically if it's been two days or if if it's like basically it's got a few layers it's got a Mm -hmm. if yeah, in two days, I just throw it out. So I think, like, I think I'm my just issue. not trying to fill out the entire thing. And also that feels that makes me feel like I don't have to worry about preserving it. And one of the big things... Well, basically, I know this it stops, is, it stops I know working at some point, think, too. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, the, the paint separates. But you can kind of mix it up. At the same time, like, I guess there's two different ways you, you're, you're simplifying your life, your, your painting life or your hobby life. I feel like the way you're going is, like, making it quicker, making it faster... That's the, the, the angle that you're kind of concentrating on it. Okay. And for me, the way that I'm trying to do it for my hobby is simplifying. Um, I'm concentrating on the mind state, right? Like I feel like there's too many variables that are going around mm-hmm. and I just want to simplify it so uh, it's just 
easy to do the hobby things. And of course there's a lot of overlap, right? Uh, I'm just, it's just interesting that we have two different um, ways we tackle simplification. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I actually like, for your, it, it sounds like a lot of the ways that you're simplifying it is like defining things more, writing down rules, and then making them very easy to follow. Yep. For me, is like I'm trying to throw away as, in, in some ways, is the same kind of thing of like, but but tackled in a different way is that um, I want to remove as many um, rules and also decision points. Mm-hmm. So I I'm literally just trying to throw away rules. And things that I have to follow, and just you know, like making it as almost like a, how a child would. <laughs> I'm trying to make it in in a way that I, how a child would come to the hobby, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like do whatever you want, At just have moment. fun, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. And in some ways, it's just a mindset. I feel like so of how you want to take mm-hmm. your hobby, where you're, where you don't worry as much about your goals, and you just do it for fun. Yep. This is interesting. Yeah, it's different different ways of eliminating those decision mm-hmm. points. Like yeah. both simplification yeah, I, involves eliminating yeah. decision points. Yes, exactly. So either you don't worry about the decision or you just have the decision made for you by somebody mm-hmm. else if you're painting the studio scheme. Uh-huh. Or maybe you just make it by like testing out yeah. some things, coming up with like methods, techniques, formulas, and then you you have have it set and then mm-hmm. you don't worry about it. Yeah. So Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and it does they they both kind mm-hmm. of go out in the same way. So I guess I Although I think your way probably makes better looking minis. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise if it wasn't good looking, but maybe I'd, I have more fun. If it wasn't good looking, I would just cross the I just cross <laughs> the damn formula out and throw it yeah, away and make true. another one. Yeah. Oh, one thing I just wanted to mention uh, that really helped me speed up my uh, painting, simplifying things, making it easier, is using bigger brushes. I don't know if you listed this as, as a thing, but like just to make things go faster, uh, I've. Totally, and, and this is something that I saw with um, painters and really good painters from uh, when we were going and looking at in, in uh, like painting competitions, just seeing them actually doing their work while they're sitting. Oh, just what they mm-hmm. mentioned. Yeah. Um, but using bigger brushes, like three, four brushes, like size three, size four, or whatever, or in size five, um, and they oh. still go to a point that's basically a tip. Right, so yeah. once you have a certain amount of brush control and uh, and understand, you know that kind of stuff, your paint, your your brush can hold more paint at one time. It has more water, so it stays moist on your brush for a longer period of time, and so you can paint with a larger, larger brush, um, much more easily. The only issue is when you're trying to get into cracks where there's not enough space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so. That has really simplified, in my opinion, or at least made it easier for me to paint things a lot faster, uh, and not feel the tedium of just constantly layer things over one, uh, over and over again. It's just using a bigger brush. So I found that I was encountering the same sort of thing, but mm-hmm. I guess I approached it a different way again, mm-hmm. of just trying to optimize like my painting space, mm-hmm. so that like where you're painting the mini, like mm-hmm. just the whole ergonomics of it. You want your hand to be able to rest like uh-huh. closer to eye height. Uh-huh. So you may need a chair that you can lower, and That's then true. possibly put bo- uh, put books oh on God. the desk to get. Ergonomics my... is so important for painting, especially when you get older. Yes. Yes, that's true. And just like the lighting is part of the ergonomics too, just to make sure you're not fighting with the light coming in from weird angles. Just to make mm-hmm. sure like your lights are behind you, mm-hmm. and possibly they have diffusers, so you're not getting weird reflections going on. 
Although you don't want to spend too much time on that. No, but, but once you've done it, just like the formulas, it's set. That's true. And then that goes down to the different things. Yeah. Different, different, uh, different philosophies. And philosophies yeah. to approach simplifying things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So part of like the ergonomic approach that like you have the same thing. Like you're, you're saying you're worried about like being able to not have to like constantly go back for more paint. Mm-hmm. That if you've got your painting space laid out so that like where you're holding the miniature, like right mm-hmm. in front of you, you've got your paint palette right next to it. Uh-huh. So you're not sort of like reaching around somewhere else on the desk or through a pile of crap. Uh-huh. Like you just literally like turn your wrist down. Now you have paint, you come back up. Of course, you risk dropping the miniature into the palette because the palette is almost sure, right so below the miniature. Yeah. I've mostly avoided that and not uh-huh. dropped it into the the painted part. You should tell some stories. But, some battle-hardened stories. Yeah, of, well, of, I have of, formulas I can go back and do where you, where you've <laughs> just, lost. Where the important like the, one is where, where you... the paint is sprayed all over the miniature. Yeah. Uh-huh, when you're getting out of the bottle. Anyways, but like just to have the painting space laid out so that like you're saying you want not be like spending time just mm-hmm. going back and getting more paint. Like you can use bigger brushes or like I found... Use bigger brushes. It's so... Like... To be fair, you do have to have a certain level of brush control, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, you're just constantly going out of the space. But literally, if you just understand, the point is a point, right? It's fine. Anyways, I I do like 90% of my painting with nylon brushes that have no point on them. So it doesn't actually matter. It's almost like a game to me now. Uh I'm like, oh, this one, this this brush, (coughs) I guess part of, is, is part of the formula is like not caring about screwing up your brushes. So... Some of my brushes are like totally messed up, and it becomes a game of oh, this is like a, a J hook brush. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can still paint with this brush and yeah. just going with it. Maybe this outside round corner. A J hook is much better than mm-hmm. uh, than a splayed brush. Splayed oh, brushes yeah, are the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's splayed, they, de- they deposit that paint. Stuff they just out. dump paint in ways you don't want them to. Yeah, yeah it's too can't. random. The nylon brushes. But if are it goes, <laughs> it's okay though. Oh, okay, fair enough. They're fine. They're for doing like large area yeah. highlighting and shadowing which is most of the work really but it does get kind of annoying with the splayed brush when you're trying to like go right to the edge and you can't do it no you can't because it's like splayed yeah which I, I still <laughs> do but I'm just saying that there's some yeah. issues for that yeah just like simplifying the workspace so you're like your water's right beside you just so you're not spending that much time on those things mm-hmm. so other things to simplify like other than so painting talked about like mm-hmm. No, we we did we didn't. Oh, I could go back. I could my finish. philosophy of like dumping things into a box, mm-hmm. so you just don't see it, so you don't have to worry about that stuff. Uh, oh, don't worry, I keep boxes of projects out. They're yeah. they're around. I feel like the wet palette actually was a big deal. Yeah, it's just worrying. That's worrying about your paint drying out on your palette is such a pain in the butt. I would never want to go back. Like, I, if I don't have a wet palette, mine as well not paint. No, it's, it's just more time you spend continuously adding water back. And you have and to think about it I, all the time. You're like, oh my god, is this, is, is it dried out? When, when I go back for out? more paint, is it dried is it, out? Exactly. And you don't want to have yeah. that when you're thinking about it. Yeah, it's one thing that you should definitely mm-hmm. like for the cost of buying parchment paper for like five dollars for a lifetime supply. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's and, just worth doing. I mean, to talk about like simplifying your your painting uh, your painting palette or your options of your your uh, paints that you use, just mm-hmm. so you don't have as much things that you can use but you so, can obviously mix your paint so I you find want. that the way I tend to simplify that because if you've got your like minimum seven colors of green in your box mm-hmm. the to just go to the color wheel when you're starting a project mm-hmm. and choose your color scheme and then sort of within those different hues yeah to just like you're like which green should I use you're like 
well, which green is close to this hue? Mm. And then you just... So use that mm-hmm. Paladon, Paladon.com. Or Color Scheme Designer 3, Paladon.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are all great they, resources. We mentioned them before, but they really help the discovery phase of your miniature painting scheme. So mm-hmm. that... So like, you don't have to worry about, like, yeah. you've got your physical palette you use, but then mm-hmm. the color palette that goes into that miniature. Because you don't want rainbow barf to start appearing yeah. on your model. And... Mm-hmm. and you don't have to follow it if you don't want to. Sometimes it's cool to have something that breaks the the triad, the the, the general yeah, triads or whatever kind of color scheme that you're using that is supposed to be pleasing to the eye. Mm-hmm. Just break it, but at least go to the palette thing first, like we talked about mm-hmm. with the with the Picasso kind of idea. Know what should work and then go and break it. Yeah, I find that often when I break it, I'm like, oh, that didn't work. So 90, 90% of the yes. time, you go with what the palette tells you to go yeah. with. But then certain things, it's like, oh, this this just doesn't represent the type of leather I'm going for on this miniature. Mm. And like, there's certain pieces I painted. Like, there was a 75 millimeter guy I painted. It's mm-hmm. like a giant dude with a hammer. Oh. I'm like, no, I'm just going to put different colors of green on him because he just doesn't care that he's wearing uncoordinated <laughs> colors of green because that's he's just been, who he is. Yeah, yeah. So for certain things, you're just like, no, this. Yeah. Just, yeah, you gotta have fun. You gotta like, keep that fun in your Sometimes you mindset. want the clashing to go on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's one way of simplifying. It's just you get the color wheel, you have your choices, and you no longer have to like you cut some steps out on thinking what your paints are. And if you're trying to make mixes, you're like, well, these are the colors in this spec yeah. in this part or of the spectrum. Or be like mm-hmm. me and not care too much about the mixes being different from miniature to miniature. Mm-hmm. Uh, the another thing is like assembling miniatures. Yep. Uh, a lot of people like a bajillion different types of uh, accessories like like sanding files and then also knives and then also putty and then you know there's technically there's a lot like but I try I'm trying to simplify it to a minimum number like I have a lot of those things because I've mm-hmm. experimented with them but I almost never use my uh, file uh-huh. because so we're, we're totally different here again no, because I feel like it's so much more simple. Just take out your knife, chop mm-hmm. off the pieces, and then use your knife to scrape the thing. Sure, it might not be, I don't know, exactly perfect, right? But to me, it's just fewer items makes fewer thinking. And you just kind of go with what works at the time. So my different- And I would mm-hmm. never use multiple glues. Just use super glue for everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just have one thing of glue, of course. Yeah, it's so annoying. I, I like, use, oh, use gel. plastic glue and then use well, like well, I tend to use craft gel glue and then glue. I was like, no, forget that. So I find I use gel glue because yeah. it's much thicker and it tends to just fill. If there's little tiny gaps, it just mm-hmm. fills it in. You wipe yeah. off the excess, and there's there's a step gone of not having to green stuff in the joints because mm. your glue, like instead of using the really thin glue that's more common in hobby stores, uh-huh. just use a thicker gel glue. I still use green stuff. I, I never. Really oh no, got you you still have to, but the gel glue will like eliminate. A lot like if the joints fit well uh-huh. you won't have you won't see any gaps anymore mm. if you use the thicker gel glue interesting i never really thought about that that thing for the gel glue gel glue is great mm-hmm. I have, it costs um, more of course it does you go cost, more of it, it does but it's cost more. but in terms of the time savings and headache savings i've just switched over to it i don't know for some reason i like just the slightly thicker but still liquid glue so if you're gluing plastic to plastic the liquid glue does actually do a better job because it's got Uh more solvent and kind of melts the plastic together a bit oh not super glue no oh yeah yeah, so super glue is not solvent based but I find for plastic the thinner glue is actually fine but the gel glue still fills in gaps so you just no that's that's fair but you go through a lot of it (laughs) 
I have used the gel glue in the past. I don't know. It, it really comes down to maybe just in general, I find I'd just rather have one type of glue. Always go to it. It basically works for everything. Mm-hmm. Like you're right that maybe it takes a little bit more whatever, but like the fact that I, whenever I need to glue something, I just reach for you the just... super glue. Like literally a lot of people when they do uh, sand bases, they'll use craft glue to put it on, mm-hmm. uh, especially with like powder and stuff like that. So if you use um, baking soda, but I make all, I'll do all my baking soda uh, bases with super glue. And it, I, I just worry. So I, I just worry. About it I just worry it would dry too quickly. That's my only concern about it. No, that's a good no? thing. Okay. So I, oh, it dries oh, really are you quick. saying you smear the super glue on the base and then put the sand into it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And not just I, sand. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like making soda. a mixture of like where you mix white glue no, with no, no, sand, no. then put it on. I never do that oh, okay. because I just literally yep. take the the, the um, baking soda. Mm-hmm. So I put the super glue on, and then I literally take the baking soda and I just throw that shit on, and it hardens super quickly. Sometimes it gets pretty yeah. hot. Let me, but yeah, you're not touching it. You shouldn't touch it. Yeah. It's just like so fast, and it's so like definitely. If you start adding different mixtures, you can get a perfect mixture. But I'm like, you're like no, the, this super is glue, the super glue is one hundred times more expensive than the craft glue. But just get it done. And yeah, I not only use craft about... glue for giant terrain projects. Yeah, for like paper craft, exactly. Uh, not just paper craft. Mm-hmm. I use it for uh, tables and uh, yeah, I just. I just or, or gluing um, like uh, wood onto foam and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I do use uh, the craft glue, but otherwise super glue for everything. Also because super glue, but it's probably just because super glue melts. It would melt the insulation. <laughs> melts the insulation yes. foam. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think you've got a lot of fast techniques going for terrain, which maybe for another podcast to talk about how you've come up with ways of making like giant amounts of terrain affordably and like finishing them. So yeah, it's, it's, it's all online, mm-hmm. like. Uh, it there's is. like Black Magic Craft, and there's a whole bunch of different. I think that's my favorite guy. Yeah, I like I like the cut of his jib. I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Also, he's you know good and quick and. So for would you recommend him for that. painting techniques or more the modeling part for the terrain? He's he specializes in uh, terrain for D and D. Like all of it, like the whole the whole building it and painting it part. Yes. Okay. He goes through and because stuff is great. Because unfortunately, like you see a lot of people out there, who do like conversions and only then they, one or the other. Yeah, yeah, only they're, they're good. Yeah, sorry. They're a good modeler converter, or they're a good painter. Mm-hmm. You see far fewer people like bring the two together. Mm-hmm. So often when I see someone do a con- good conversion. I'm like, oh god, he's gonna he's gonna fuck the painting. <laughs> I'll be like, oh yeah, he 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 destroyed this thing. Yeah, it looks so yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Just give it to someone else to paint it. And then you see like the upper echelon painters. They're just like painting busts where like mm-hmm. there's no groundwork. There's no nothing. Mm-hmm. There's you barely there's barely any assembly involved. It's just yeah. like a bust, but it's like and then you glue their hat on, and then it looks great. Yes, and then they paint it lifelike. Mm. But having someone who comes together with both of them, it's okay. Especially with the yeah. So I I, I don't know. I find that that great. This the, the biggest thing that I find is like just using uh, the insulation foam, the pink insulation foam. Just go to a Home Depot or whatever mm-hmm. kind of like hardware store, right? Or or sorry, house house uh, renovation store buy a stuff of stuff like that and it's just really good you can build yeah. a lot of stuff you can that. build hills you can build walls you can build yeah. most stuff out of insulation yeah out of, like and the polys of the styrene insulation yeah, and this, and not the white not, not the white stuff the extruded stuff there's expanded polystyrene which is the white beadboard and then there's extruded polystyrene do they which, use that for insulation yeah oh 
Okay. Yeah, I've only ever seen the pink stuff and blue stuff, mm-hmm. which is what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the stuff you want. And, and it's very popular in the hobby, like terrain building uh, space. So it's, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, but what was I saying about that? Oh yeah, you can just cut it and assemble it and and, and build with blocks. And uh, I do if if I need indestructible terrain, I use some hardboard, but that takes a lot. It's hard. More it's hard to cut. Yeah, it's balls. hard to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can use balsa wood, which is but that's way more expensive. And, and that's and it's not as tough either. At the same time, if you're only making terrain for your home, where you're, it's not going to be abused. Yep. Like I built some stuff for the store, which had to be able to go through hell because people at the store are uh, rough and tumble. Yeah. Say to put it nicely. Um, yeah. Uh, but if you're doing it at home, just ping foam everything, man. Mm-hmm. It's fine. As long as you are also not rough and tumble, but yeah, as long as you don't yeah. sit on it, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, so anything else you want to talk about about simplifying? We mostly talked about painting, but also just simplifying the things that you're using. Yeah, I guess just basically getting rid of stuff you're not using. I think we've talked about it before. Like it comes down to if you've got stuff you're never going to, oh, like actual to do. miniatures, yeah, actual miniatures or projects or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, boot those things. Don't put it on a list. If your bucket list is a thousand things, mm-hmm. you will never do it because you're dread looking at it. Your yep. bucket list should be ten things, and then once you do those things, you kill yourself. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, then you put ten more things on. Yeah, you, right? You fill it's it back so much up to more 10. fun yeah. when you think about possibilities of what you're going to put mm-hmm. on next. So the list is always full, but the question is, what's on the list? Yeah. And you can pick something off of it at any point. Just yeah. it's like to have fun doing it. Yeah, I feel like the miniatures I have here are way too many. Mm-hmm. Well, let's you put it this way: the miniatures I just painted like to test uh-huh. out this fast painting technique uh-huh. there are war machine models that just got shelved indefinitely but I'm like oh, five wait. years or something oh, or probably, more oh, probably five or more years they got shelved for mm-hmm. and then they came back out so you know don't necessarily well, yeah. get rid of have them have a but... deep closet <laughs> oh, <yeah>. simplify <laughs> but, your hobby life deep but, closets but like simplify what projects are on the go don't yeah. don't say everything's on the go at one given yeah, time don't don't think about how your closet is going to be empty of minis just accept the fact that you have gone on this trek and you will need a second closet soon. Yeah. Your hobby room needs its own closet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, if any people out there have any ways they've like simplified their hobbying process, I think yeah. a big, oh, one thing that might be mentioned is just doing some things in bulk. Mm. Like whether it's assembling a things. A manageable then, portion. Yes. Otherwise it gets back to the whole overwhelming thing yeah. of like trying to tackle your whole collection at once. Yeah. Then like choose a manageable chunk of things. Yeah. To like assemble at once, prime at once, and then bulk mm-hmm. paint so you're not like you're not remixing the same color yeah. over and over to paint every guy in the whole squad. Like mm-hmm. take a squad of guys out. Maybe if you really like punishing yourself, do a couple squads, but Yeah. Have multiple games or at least multiple different miniatures so you don't mm-hmm. get stuck on one. Yep. Like you feel a lot better. Mm-hmm. Alright. Anything else? I don't know. I think we, we went through many simple things. Yeah, I think so. Alright, uh, this is Ben Allen. It's been Brandon. Alright, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us. Or just get in touch with us. At Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. Alright. Bye.